Yes, Lord, we do pray that you would give us clean hands and pure hearts, that we would not um, turn our hearts to anything else to meet our needs, Lord, but that we would turn wholeheartedly to you. Father, in your word it said that you are the shepherd and that your sheep can hear your voice. And so this morning as we enter into your word, Lord, I pray that you would speak, Lord, and that your sheep would hear um, and that all the glory would be given to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Do you have a seat? This morning's word comes to us from Isaiah 30, verses 15 to 18. Fix drinking coffee so I don't have a page number. <laughs> page number 1107, 1107. I'm going to start at verse 15. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. And therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one, and at the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show compassion to you. For the Lord is a God of justice, and blessed are all who wait for him. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning, the text comes from the book of Isaiah, um, and so I thought it might be helpful to bring us up to speed, maybe for some of us who have forgotten. This was a great lesson for me to review all this, but how have we gotten to Isaiah? So if you remember, the children of the Lord, the children of Israel, the generations after Abraham, had gone with Joseph into the land of Egypt. Now Egypt eventually grew jealous of Israel because they were growing, and so they put them under bondage, under slavery. And you see on the left, maybe your, either way, you see Moses. So, so the Lord rose up Moses to set them free from the bondage of Egypt. And then the children of Israel wandered for 40 years in the desert, and the Lord raised up Joshua to take them into the land that had been promised to them long ago through Abraham. He took them into Canaan. Now while they're in Canaan, they were led by a judicial system, judges that would take care of them and lead them, but eventually they were looking at their brothers and sisters in the land of Canaan who had kings, and they wanted a king. And so they prayed, Lord, would you give us a king? And the Lord gave them Saul. And that didn't go so well, and pretty soon we ended up with David. Now the generations of David ruled the kingdom, 
the 12 tribes of Israel, the people in the desert that had come to the promised land for David's years, and his son Solomon ruled over them. And then when the time came for Solomon's son Jeroboam to take over, things sort of fell apart. Many of the people didn't like Jeroboam, and so the, the, the children of Israel split into two different kingdoms. So Israel was on the north, and then there was an entirely separate kingdom on the south. And so we've got a little map here. So you see Israel on the north and Judah on the south. Are you all with me yet? Okay. All right. So take a look at the geography here. So I've got Israel on the north and Judah on the south, and Isaiah was a prophet to the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom. Now, to the north and to the south and to the east, you've got superpower kingdoms. These are much more powerful kingdoms because the two kingdoms had split and been fighting. You can imagine that their resources are pretty depleted. Um, and so what do small nations do when they're in the middle of big, powerful nations and they know that they're in danger? They ally with their neighbors. And so Judah had been going south to Egypt to the very land where they had all been held as slaves years before they went down to Egypt to look for help. And so Isaiah has come to the people and said, You have put your trust in Egypt instead of the Lord, and the Lord is not pleased. The ESV puts it this way, If you had repented, Judah, if you had patiently waited for me, you would have been delivered. If you had calmly trusted in me, you would find strength, but you refuse. You're unwilling. Judah's sin is not trusting God. They've embraced the fear of the power of the nations around them, and they've done all sorts of silly things to save themselves. They've allied with their enemies. They've completely given up their trust on the Lord. The passage explains that they've, they've gone off and flown on fast horses. Now, this doesn't mean that they've gone into battle physically, but you think about what people do when they're afraid. They go to war against their fears, right? Judah had been making all kinds of plans to take care of themselves. They'd made friends with people that they shouldn't make friends with. They'd made plans that didn't line up with the will of the Lord. They had gone to war for themselves. Because of this, says our text, the very enemies that you're fleeing from will be faster. The clicker's not working. This, it goes on to say, can you switch slide for me, Tim? Thank you. Go back. Stop. There we go. All right. So it says, at the sound of one soldier, 1,000 will flee. Now, I tried to count these soldiers, <laughs> and I think it got to about 890. This is as far as I could get. But can you imagine all of these men running away scared at the sight of one? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Even enemies that you should be able to conquer with my help will overtake you because you, Judah, have not trusted in me. Even small enemies will take you because you did not trust in me. You will be overtaken, says the text, until you are nothing but a flagstaff on a mountaintop or a banner 
on a hill. So I'm not very military-minded, but praise God I have a soldier for a husband. And so (laughs) I had to ask him about this. What does this mean? And he explained to me that when an army chooses a flag bearer, the man who would march with the flag into battle, they chose their strongest man. Because the flag must never fall, it must never be left unattended, and it always must face into the battle lines. Okay? So if a soldier doing battle were to see a flag on a hill, a tattered flag by itself, without the line driving forward, this soldier would know that his side had fallen. He would be lost and feel abandoned and hopeless, and he would be in terror, knowing that even if he were to win the battle that he was fighting in front of him, he would likely eventually be taken captive anyway. This is where you will be, Judah, says the Lord, when you fight your battles without me. When out of your fear you turn to your enemies, your former slaveholders that I liberated you from, instead of turning to me. You have failed to trust me, and because of it, your enemies will overtake you. Now, in the last couple of weeks, we've done a lot of talking about rest. We talked about what rest looks like, what happens when we don't rest. And this morning, we have a clear picture of why we don't rest. When we do not trust that things are going to go the way that we want them to go, how we want them to go, when we want them to go, we begin to fear. When we do not trust... We begin to fear, and fear gives birth to stress, and stress gives birth to anxiety. And you remember last week when we talked about how if your brain is owned by fear and anxiety, it is impossible for you to trust. Mark Driscoll once said that fear in the mind causes stress in the body. This is what not resting is. Judah feared its enemies, refused to take that fear to God, and trust in his sovereignty. And as such, the kingdom of Judah was eventually taken into exile by their stronger neighbors. So my question for us this morning is, what are we afraid of? Now, usually we think of being afraid as being ridiculous things, like I'm afraid of spiders, don't like snakes, rats, darkness, But I'm talking about the fear that we live in a constant state of and don't even know. We might fear financial things. We're afraid of not being able to pay bills. We're afraid of not paying rent. We're afraid of not getting a job or a better job. Sometimes we fear deep emotional things. We fear never being okay. We fear never being loved. We fear loneliness. Sometimes we fear the world around us. We fear for policies and governmental decisions. We fear for our neighbors. We fear for our children. We've got a lot of things to be afraid of in this world. And what happens when we're afraid? What do our horses look like? What kind of fast horses are we getting on to run away and to fight battle and to fight our fears? 
this past week, um, one, of my, one of my dear sisters in Christ that I work with came to work just in a tizzy. Like, you ever feel someone and it's like a beehive like, all around them? So her husband had gotten into an accident. He had been roofing and he fell 35 feet off a roof, and praise God, he only broke his leg, right? So femur broken, and he's in the hospital. She had spent all day calling insurance companies and hospitals and doctors and family members, and she had just been spun into a tizzy. She knows the Lord, but she was really struggling to trust that the Lord knew what was best for her and her husband this week. She was really struggling to trust that the Lord would meet their needs, that that the Lord would heal her husband and pay for the bills and that things would be taken care of. We've all been there, gone into absolute tizzy over things. What do we fear and what do our horses look like? The Lord didn't leave Judah lost in exile. Eventually he comes and saves them. And he doesn't leave them like a tattered flag all alone on a hill. Verse 18 says that in spite of Judah's running running into battle and impending defeat, the Lord longs to be gracious for them. The ESV translation says that the Lord sits on his throne waiting to pour compassion out on them. Now the Hebrew word here that's used for what God is doing, haka, means to long for and to wait for. There's a typo in there, but you guys know the word wait. Okay. To long for and to wait for. Just think about that. The God of the heavens sat on his throne waiting for the children of Israel to turn to him because all he wants to do is lavish his compassion on them. It's like a parent who sends their child to timeout. Anybody ever done that? Sent a child to timeout? Okay. So we send children to timeout because they're not listening. But what parent likes to send a child to timeout? You stand there trying to look tough, but really, all you want them to do is turn around and say, I'm sorry. And you want to wrap them in your arms, and you don't want them to hurt or feel bad. The Lord sits on his throne waiting for us to turn and look at him and say, I'm sorry I didn't trust you. In repentance, says the Lord, is salvation. In quietness and in rest and in trust is your strength. Stop turning to your enemies for help. And for comfort, the Lord says, stop your silly efforts to save yourselves and make things go the way that you want them. Trust me. I'm literally sitting here longing for you and waiting to bless you with love and help. So if we look back at my friend and her husband this week, part of what had had them so wound up was that a doctor had told them that her husband needed therapy immediately for him to regain full use of his leg and their insurance company would not sign off to have him moved from the hospital to the rehabilitation facility where he would get that therapy. So you can see the frustration. So she spent all day making dozens and dozens of phone calls trying to make this work, and it didn't work, and so they spent one more night in the hospital. And don't you know it, that night 
her husband's lung collapsed. And the hospital staff was able to save him, and he's doing fine this morning. But if they had been moved to that rehabilitation facility, who knows where we would be. Trust me, says the Lord. I long to take care of you. God's plans and purposes cannot be stopped because of our faithlessness. Praise God that we have a God who waits. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Stop doing silly things to solve your own problems, says the Lord. I have a plan, and I long to care for you. I long to rule your minds and your hearts with peace. I came and I died on this cross so that you don't have to spin around. And figure it out. I died to free you from fear and worry and anxiety. And I died to give you peace. As we close this morning, I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. And we're going to pray. And I feel that the Lord might lead us into a time of asking him, if we need to repent of giving in to any fears, that we might need to think about where we failed to trust the Lord, and also that we might have a time to present those fears and anxieties and worries before the Lord because he longs to lavish his love and compassion on us. And so will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are a God who waits. Father, we praise you that you are a God who longs to take care of us, who longs to love on us, who longs to meet our needs, and who longs to shower us with compassion. And so, Lord, I pray that you would hear your children as we pray and that you would draw near to us And let us hear you speak. The Lord sees, the Lord knows, and we're getting ready to approach this most holy table and partake of the Lord's Supper, and I believe the Lord would say to some in this room, quit turning to alcohol, turn to me. I believe the Lord would say to others, quit turning to Facebook and social media because you're anxious 
you're comparing, I believe the Lord would say, turn to me. I believe for some in this room, the Lord says today is the day to turn away from drugs and turn to me. Quit running from the pain of the past. I will help you through it. Turn to me. I long to show my compassion to you. And so whatever the Lord is speaking to your heart right now, if if any of those words apply to you, I believe the Lord would just have you in your own heart. Say, God, I'm sorry. And I turn to you. He's saying quit turning to food. Quit chasing after the next relationship. Turn to me. Turn to me. I love you. I lay down my life for you. And so as we turn to him, we're going to sing a song about that you are more than enough. Don't sing these words if you don't mean it. This is a sung prayer.